everyone, welcome back to the I Should Totally Be Dead Right Now podcast, where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime, natural disasters, and everything else in between. How's it going, Michelle? Uh, it's going good. We had good. some like unexpected snow, so it's been like a snow weekend. Mm. So, you know, probably shouldn't go anywhere and have <laughs> to cozy in and watch movies and play video games. So it's been tough. Oh, <laughs> you poor thing. My gosh. No, it's been awesome. I love it. Oh my god, <laughs> it's been the best. Uh, how about you, Caitlin? Uh, okay, I have a little bit of a cold, but mm. it's okay. But we're gonna get rain again here in LA, which is fine for me. So I'm good. Yeah, it's all good. She's up high, folks. She's not gonna be get flooded out. That's right. I'm up high. Can't flood me out. Hell no. <laughs> I didn't feel good about that. <laughs> Well, uh, Michelle, this is a very interesting drink that you sent me. I know. Well, okay. I We had never done anything with grape before. No. And then you also mentioned that you hated grape flavoring. Yeah. So yeah. I figured like grape vodka was out. So I found a drink that actually had grape juice in it. Yeah. And yeah, it's good. <laughs> and it tastes like grape juice. Like, yeah, I'm a little bit drunk. So I know there's booze in it, but you can't. Right. <laughs> you can't which like you said i don't like grape flavored things but this is very tasty i do like grape juice so it does just taste like grape juice so i'm happy with that but yeah so this is uh well i think it's supposed to be a concord grape fizz Mm -hmm. but i'm just gonna go with a grape fizz because i couldn't find concord anything oh interesting (laughs) i ended up with like the super purple grape juice from the cheap end of the aisle because that's all i could find and that sounded kind of snobby oh well well i got welch's concord grape you know oh see so you actually have the concord grape so you can Mm -hmm. call it a uh, Concord grape fizz and it's supposed to have also actual grapes in it which I just sort of skipped so fair we're you can... supposed to muddle them so it's like yeah I was kind of out with that so yeah. okay so this is two ounces of grape juice an ounce and a half of gin and so um, a tablespoon of lemon juice and then one egg white mm-hmm. so you oh and I, I think it was like a half tablespoon or no excuse me teaspoon of sugar Mm -hmm. so i put all that into the uh shaker and before you put any ice in it you give it sort of a dry shake to get i think it's to break up and get the egg white sort of Mm -hmm. froth you shake it for 30 seconds you open her up pop in some ice shake it for another minute i think it's to really get the egg white kind of nice and frothy mm-hmm. pour it out and it like almost looks like a milkshake but then it like separates really quickly mm-hmm. so you have this like nice frothy top and then a yummy grapey non-alcoholic tasting drink underneath <laughs> yeah no i'm really surprised because like i'm you hear raw egg and then they're like hmm and you hear oh, grape you're like ah so <laughs> I didn't hear anything you said. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I said, what is this bitch trying to feed me again? <laughs> no, yeah. It was just, yeah, with eggs and grapes. I'm like, oh, okay, well, but it works. So you can't, you can't it knock work. it until you try it. officially, like, checked off a grape cocktail. <laughs> yeah. We've never done grape. Now that's done. So it's good. Gin and uh, grape gin juice. Gin and grape juice. Yeah. I guess it's kind of like gin and juice. So yeah. We did it <laughs> yeah no it's good, it's good. Can, yeah 
All right. Are you ready for my story? Let me get a refill on my drink. But yes. Oh, it's almost gone. Oh, bummer. Bad day. I, this is not anything about Whitney Strong this time. Okay. So, you know what? I was totally going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> I totally was going to. Did I tell everyone about your crazy coincidence in stories? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so bizarre. That was. I thought that was so crazy and awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, you can't ever repeat that, you know? It's never going to happen again. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. This story is about Olivia Jackson. Okay. Olivia Jackson. Olivia is 36 years old, and she's based in the UK, but she is a stunt performer stunt performer like a stunt double oh okay so she like catches on fires and rolls down hills and shit like that yeah 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 okay uh so she was a formal model accomplished muay thai fighter and a motocross enthusiast so she is okay active yeah she is a bad ass is what it sounds so it's september 5th 2015 and olivia is shooting in cape town south africa okay She's actually the stunt double for Mila Jovovich. Jovovich. Oh, God. oh my gosh. Mila. Yeah, Mila. Oh, oh Jovovich. No. Jo- so I'm exactly. so sorry. She's from the Fifth Element. Hello. Oh, yeah. Duh. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but they were actually shooting the Resident Evil, the final chapter movie. Oh, okay. She was okay. her stunt double. Cool gig. <laughs> it is a cool gig. Uh, so this day, Olivia is set to shoot a fight scene that was planned. So okay, yeah. Punch, punch. Uh, but there was unexpected rain, which caused the director, Paul Anderson, to do a complex motorcycle stunt instead. Okay. So he's like, scrap the fight scene. The weather's yeah. not right. We're going to do this other crazy scene instead. Yeah. Exactly. So the plan was Olivia would ride a motorcycle at high speed at a camera mounted on a mechanical arm on a Mercedes SUV, which would be driving straight towards her. So oh, they're coming. Murphy already. <laughs> <laughs> so oh. the camera was meant to raise up at the last minute over Olivia's head. Oh, God. I don't want to know the best. As they drove towards her at 71 miles per hour. Did she lose her head and then somehow they put it back on her? Is that what happened here? Michelle, you ruined the whole fucking story. (laughs) Spoiler alert. (laughs) So they ran through it a few times. Okay. Beauty. Okay. Yeah. It all went fine. It's time to actually shoot this now. Okay. Uh, But there was one change that Olivia did not know about. During the final run, there was a decision to lift the camera just one second later just to get a better shot, they would think. Like, get a little closer. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is making me very uncomfortable. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but that one second was enough. With that decision, Olivia's upper body and face smashed into the <gasps> camera at that high speed. Oh, God. Mm. I can't even imagine. No, absolutely not. So... They put Olivia in an induced coma for 17 days. Oh, shit. That's no good. No. This is, here's her list of injuries. My goodness. Here we go. Oh, God. She had to have her left arm amputated above the elbow all the way down. 
Oh. Her spine was slightly twisted and fractured, causing nerve damage and slight paralysis in her upper left portion of her body. A severed thumb, facial scars, several broken ribs, punctured lungs, and a dislocated shoulder. Oh, my God. God, could you, like, imagine being the person in the Mercedes as right? well? Like, knowing that you just fucked up this person's life for the rest of forever. forever. I mean, oh, yeah. God. Oh. But oh, I mean, she's sur- me so God, I know. Yeah, that's a lot of not good injuries. No, absolutely not. But I mean, she survived. She did yeah. survive. She still attends like physiotherapy, something like that. Sorry, but Olivia states, "My life has changed dramatically, and it's been long, painful, and extremely difficult path for me to walk. I refuse to give up on trying to heal my broken body, and I refuse to just keep silent when film productions put profit before people." Mm. At the very least, film crews ought to be able to rely on there being appropriate insurance in place when accidents happen. Unfortunately, as I learned, this isn't always the case. So, yes, unfortunately, what? the production didn't was not fully insured. Well, like, who gives a shit? Shouldn't, I mean, who, like, now the studio comes in and hopefully pays for her stuff. I don't, ah. no, That's not really how it works, unfortunately. <laughs> What? Uh, yeah, well, she said if she would have known that they weren't fully insured, she would, of course, never have done the film. Absolutely mm. not. Well, I mean, Resident Evil, that's quite the franchise. I would well, never think that they would not be fully insured. Well, this this is, you're totally right. After the crash, uh, they offered to cover her medical expenses, but only paid $33,000 U.S., of oh her god, mass- that's like nothing. She probably had like five hundred thousand dollars or more in yeah in medical and, bills. Yeah, and they paid her nine hundred and ninety dollars in lost earnings, despite the film's gross of more than three hundred million dollars. I want to like, I'm very upset with this situation. Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. So even I guess the guy driving. Um, he wasn't insured. The guy who was driving the car wasn't like insured either. Um, oh my yeah. god, this is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah. So Olivia did sue the company that was involved in making the movie. Okay. So in 2020, so this happened in 2015. Finally, okay. in 2020, there was a two-day hearing. The South African High Court declared that the stunt was negligently planned and executed. Uh, by Bicker's action, the company in charge of the camera and the vehicle carrying it. God, I guess I never thought of it. I mean, I just assume like when a studio makes a film, I guess I don't watch the credits enough. (laughs) There's a lot. When they make the film, they just hire everyone. I guess, of Mm -hmm. course, they hire other companies to come in. Yep. You know, and those are, you know, maybe not properly vetted or I don't know what, but. Could be. I mean, yeah, things fall Uh through. God, what a nightmare. So the judge ruled that Olivia had not voluntarily assumed the risk of the collision, adding that she was never made aware that the director instructed to try to get a better shot by decreasing the level of safety precautions set in rehearsal. Yeah, that's a, I mean, even though it's just one second, that seems like a major change. Well, it was a major, yeah. One second, that's all it took. Yeah, yeah, all it took for her just to smash right into it. At yeah, such like a high I would have wanted to see some math behind it to yeah. show that you're not going to fuck it up. Well, and it's, 
Okay. I'm just getting like wildly upset. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're relying on a person as well to like get it up and out of there, mm-hmm. I mean, I know when, even when I'm like pouring hot sugar and I know I need to stop at this time, I stop and it still goes mm-hmm. more, you know, I mean, it's just like, there's a delay there. And right. Uh, she states, I miss my old face. I miss my old body. I miss my old life. At least I now finally have a court judgment that proves that this stunt was badly planned and it was not my fault. Hmm. Olivia posted her recovery on Instagram and is retired from stunt performing, unfortunately. She loved that job. She even had a job already in place to do one of the Wonder Woman movies. Oh, But, of course, you know. That didn't happen because no, she got injured. So. Yeah. So oh she... Oh, my God. That just sucks that you don't get to choose to quit your job. It's just you physically can't do it anymore. It's just sad. Yeah. It's just really well, sad. Well, and thank you for the $990. Go for it. I've lost wages. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> Seriously. Uh, but the court hearing declares that the road accident fund is 100% liable for Olivia's uh, proven or agreed damages suffered with the collision and is ordered to pay for Olivia's cost of this portion of the trial with travel costs, Olivia's expert witnesses, senior counsel. So they're responsible for 100% of it. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's good. But. Oh, Yeah. But a further trial in South Africa is needed to determine the size of compensation due to her, which could take years. Oh my gosh, that sucks. Right? I know. Like, well, in whole... the fact that it's in South Africa, I mean, yeah. I doubt she lives there. No, she's <laughs> UK. She lives in UK. That's right, of course. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. So hopefully justice served soon, but. Her husband is also a stunt performer who did a James Bond movie and he helps her with her daily physical like rehabilitation sessions and repeated doctor visits. Olivia has taken up martial arts again, but the phantom limb pain and the damage to her skeleton and muscles cause a lot of pain. Um, That's hard to hear. I know, but she is collaborating with a writer on her biography and working on a documentary about her recovery. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully her story can come out and just kind of show there is always a dark side, unfortunately, to film productions. Yeah. Um, she got a little scissor tattoo above her, uh, like her oh, elbow, like it, like cut here. Arm. Yeah, oh. like cut here. It's just, she's like, <laughs> she says it. Yeah, I know. She says it's important to laugh in life. So. <sighs> Her spirits are up and she's, you know, she's doing things and hopefully telling her story so everyone can know. And just unfortunate, but she's a beautiful woman and so uh, strong and brave for, you know, especially going, you know, talking about production companies. I mean, that's a big thing. Like, that's kind of scary, honestly. You never want to, you know. It is scary. My God, like. I just kind of assume everything's on the up and up, you know, right. and clearly it's not. I think I'm kind of naive in a lot of ways about how shit works in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's just too bad. But I mean, like, not all predictions are like that, of course. But I'm sure not, but it's still uh, something to be aware of. But mm-hmm. so hopefully I would love to, like, read her 
biography or see that documentary. I would love to see what see her story fold out and hopefully oh we get answers. You want to watch someone cry for like however <laughs> long that documentary is? Yeah. I'll... Seriously. Oh Lord. It's just crazy. Just a one second changes your whole life. It's just bizarre. It's never the same. Yeah. Well, change happens instantly. You never see change. You only see the after effects of change. And... Oh, that's Again, that's interesting. Yeah, that's true. So, wow, Michelle, uh, look at you. Uh, I like to drop some wisdom every now and yeah. <laughs> And now I need another drink. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> I do. I have like nothing no. but egg white in my glass. Mine too. Yeah. Okay. Do I have time for another drink really quick? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Michelle, it's your turn. Actually drinking this more. Like I haven't had grapefruit, not grapefruit. Oh my gosh, grape juice since I was a kid. So I just keep thinking about my childhood, but now I added alcohol, so it's like it's a little bit better. But <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, this last time I just threw like a bunch of grape juice and the rest of the bottle of gin, and that's what, <laughs> that's what I just did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't need to be fancy with it. You just need gin and grape juice. There you go. That's right. It's really good. I have a little bit of lemon in it, but I feel like I actually went too hard on the lemon. Oh, I put some lemon in it as well. Very good. Mm. I think I just went a little crazy with it. Oh, I see. Ah, all right. Sorry. Go ahead. You uh, tell your story, Michelle. Are we try? Are we recording? We are. Yeah, we've been recording. Oh shit. Okay. Sorry. I don't even like remember turning off the got it thing. (laughs) You're in for a good time. I'm ready. Okay. So I'm taking us back to 1901 in France. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. This is a little bit less of a survival story, I will admit. Uh-huh. And a little bit more of an incident, but I've been kind of wanting to tell the story for a long time. So I just said, fuck okay. it, decided to tell it. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, you've told stuff about aliens and stuff. It's fine. Tell this one. You know what? That's fair, Michelle. You're right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And these two ladies I'm about to talk about, they did, in fact, survive something, kind of. So I'm intrigued. Okay. So this story is about, and I'm just going to apologize now. There's a lot of French things in here. (laughs) And so it's going to be interesting. So this story is about Charlotte Ann Moberly and Eleanor Jodain. And so these are two academics that are traveling together. And going to France, sort of like on a vacation. Oh, a little bit about the background of these ladies. Uh, they're both academics. So Moberly or Charlotte, uh, she it was the principal at sort of a an esteemed school, and Eleanor Jourdain was her assistant. Two women traveled to France to go visit Versailles. They mm. were going to check out the palace and every you know all the cool stuff. So they went on this trip to go see Versailles and they were actually like pretty unimpressed with oh. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, okay, I feel like I'd be pretty blown away, but you know, whatever. I've never been there myself. So the two ladies decide to go stroll around in the garden instead. And they're going out to go look for, here we go, the Petit Trianon. Ooh. I know, I fucking nailed that shit. So it's Marie Antoinette's sort of little cottage that is 
not the palace, but it's sort of her home away from home. I her guess little she shed. A little she shed that's obviously bigger than our house. <laughs> you know, amazing and incredible. They end up strolling along this lane and without really even noticing, realizing, they actually passed Petit Trianon and then found themselves lost. So oh. they sort of were in, they found themselves on some walking paths that took them into the woods and they managed to kind of yeah. get lost a little bit. Okay, okay. So they were like, oh, shit, we need to kind of find our way back. So they spotted a pair of gardeners up ahead. Mm. So they decided to go ask them for directions. And on the way over there, they passed a woman and a girl near the cottage and a pair of guards wearing capes and a strange man with a very odious demeanor oh. <laughs> with a very wide brimmed hat sitting near this pavilion that they had come across okay so they were like okay this is strange but whatever so they spoke to the man with the wide brimmed hat and he had a very strange accent and then told them to get away oh like you guys need to be away from this chapel and away from this cottage they were like Ugh, fine so they ended up heading out onto this other path and they went over this old rustic bridge through an arbor and then across a meadow with all this long grass until they finally reached a woman sitting on a terrace sketching. Okay. And what both struck both women at the time, though they did not discuss it, they both, it, it was a very eerie feeling. They both felt oh. sort of, I don't know, almost depressed and sort of with a sense of dread and so they wrote it as the stillness was oppressive and was unnatural oh. so they sort of come across this woman uh sketching and they just feel this sort of eerie feeling come across them that's kind of what it seems like okay so what they said is that it they felt as though they were walking through a dream interesting and so it was only much later that they ended up discussing this incident so they they ended up finding their way home or finding their way back from being lost they see a group of tourists and kind of catch up with them and then finish their tour and head home like okay. that was you know they probably finished their trip and did some fun things they had some croissant right. you know that type of thing <laughs> um but they didn't really discuss the trip too much for over a week and then what? they sort of got together and were like, hey, I saw and felt some weird things on that trip. And so they decided to separately write down what they experienced. Interesting. And what they ended up after kind of coming back and collaborating and reading over what each other had written that they had, in fact, slipped through time. What? Yeah. They think that they sort of slip back in time a little bit so we'll kind of go back through their trip okay. and talk about all the different things that made them kind of real oh. or come to the conclusion that they had gone back in time actually oh. there's a little bit of argument about what actually happened whether they slipped into a memory or slipped back in time those are kind of the two two points of view 
Why did they wait so long? I feel like if we were walking through that, we'd both be like, what the fuck is happening right now? Bitch, I do not know what happened and who is that and why is everyone so strange? Yeah, I feel like we've Uh, talked about it quite a bit. I don't know. Much later, like in life, Jordan ended up like having all these people. She she ended up like becoming the superintendent of the school after Moberly left and then everyone quit because she was so mean. So who Uh knows? She wasn't that delightful of a woman. Gotcha. She died back in like 1924. So All anyway. Right. Okay. So let's kind of go back yeah. and discuss the trip a little bit more. So both women described a feeling of depression and anxiety beginning when they started wandering down the path. Mm-hmm. So Charlotte Moberly was actually shocked to learn that Eleanor had not seen the woman sketching at the terrace. So that was one of like the main things that Charlotte had remembered, but Eleanor didn't remember any of it. So she was a little bit surprised Um, and they had walked together the whole time. And so she was, she was like, the woman was right there. How did you not see her? Like Hmm. she was just two feet away from you. How did you miss her? And then later Charlotte asked, do you think Petite Trianon is in fact haunted? Or something along those lines. Mm. And maybe they thought it was a ghost. And Eleanor was like, yeah, I think that shit's haunted. Like, (laughs) yes, immediately. She answered right away. So the mysterious woman sketching baffled Charlotte. Like, Mm. how did Eleanor miss this woman? They walked, both walked directly right by her. And then as she's like remembering back, she's thinking about her outfit, which was... Of course, something that she had never really seen before. It was clearly old fashioned and was, you know, she thought maybe she had wandered into a reenactment of some kind, you know. Uh-huh. And I mean, this was 1901. So like movies weren't even really a thing. So she couldn't yeah. have like wandered onto a movie set or something like that. Right. So her recollection was that this woman was wearing a light colored skirt. A white fichu, which I hope I'm saying that right, which I guess is like a pashmina, like mm, sort of mm. attached to the garment, and a straw hat. And she started to wonder if, in fact, it was Marie Antoinette herself that she saw sketching. Whoa. And so they started doing all this research into Marie Antoinette and the property where okay. the palace was and, you know, Versailles and then this petite Trianon and everything. So they found this the journal of madame elofe <laughs> e-l-o-f-f-e anyway it was the queen's dressmaker so they gotcha. found the queen's dressmaker's journal and she wrote in 1789 that marie antoinette had had a few dresses made and she described this one dress that was essentially exactly what she had seen as she, that this woman sketching. she was like kind of like okay okay that's a little bit weird and so charlotte decides to go back she's okay. like i'm gonna go back to versailles and see what's going on and i'm gonna return to the petit trianon and so she went back in january of the following year 1902 and she found herself lost in the woods once more so she tried to find her way back and she heard sort of faint music that was not that far off and so she was kind of i guess startled by that so she tried to get closer tried to get closer to the music and 
it was sort of a light, a very light music with a good deal of repetition in it. So when she wrote, when she came back um, to her home, she wrote down the 12 bars that she had heard while she was walking around that second time. Mm -hmm. And she ended up giving it to a musical expert in 1907. And he determined that the music was dated from 1780. So that music was written a long time ago. And so Charlotte went back again and interviewed like the caretakers of Versailles and was like, "Uh, what the hell was that music playing? And what she found was that no bands were allowed to play in the park during the winter which is when she went and the bands could only play from one location when they were allowed to play and the visitors could not possibly hear them from the petit trianon. So she thinks she perhaps wandered back through time once more and could hear this music sort of going on. Bizarre. Echo of something. Uh Uh-huh. So there was a lot of simple details that they talked about from their trip the first time. And one of them was that they had walked over a small rustic bridge, which crossed a tiny waterfall. And then after the bridge, they spotted a small circular building having pillars in a low surrounding wall. And they passed through a French garden, which was walled off by trees. And when they went back, they discovered that none of those things were actually there anymore. What? So the she could never find again the bridge, the pavilion, or the garden. And what they ended up doing is finding an old map, like uh-huh. from a long time ago, and discovered that the bridge, the pavilion, and the garden were in that map in Whoa. the time of Marie Antoinette, not what? later. And so, yeah, it's like all kinds of craziness. So another sort of small thing that they both remembered was seeing a plow on the ground, sort of near the pair of gardeners that they originally went to go talk to about how do they get back. And it was, you know, sort of a plain wooden plow. And then they learned in 1905 on a subsequent visit that there was never, there was not a plow at Petit Trianon like at that time the land had not been plowed for decades but they read in an old book that they had found i guess it's called uh le petrianon le petrianon is the name of the book that louis the 16th kept an old plow at petitrianon for years so there was in fact a plow during the seven you know this what is it the 1700s 1780s my god I can get there. Maybe no more of these great physics. This is um okay. Yeah. It's getting like more and more intriguing. Yeah. <laughs> so they eventually found a picture of this plow and they believe it was the identical one that they had seen in 1901 in their visit. Of course, Charlotte, in recollecting all of her trip, remembered a the lady sitting on the low seat on the grass. It was before the woman who was sketching, who she believes to be Marie, Marie Antoinette, but she had encountered another woman and a man in the in the wide-brimmed hat, yeah. if you recall, that told him to get yeah. away. So much later, she was going through like portraits of Marie Antoinette and things. 
Charlotte ended up finding a portrait of a companion of Marie Antoinette's, Madame Capon. And so it ended up looking just like the woman that they had seen. So it's like sort of known companion of Marie Antoinette. They felt like they recognized her in the portrait. And so they were like, what? So they felt like even more that it was, they had gone back in time. A time slip as they just keep calling it. So the man that told them to leave, they went back and one, they, they went back in 1905 They saw the house in which the man was sort of standing in front of that told him to leave. He had like just come from a door. There was like a door right there that Mm -hmm. turns out was the queen's private entrance to Petit Trianon. So he could, it was like sort of a back door that was for the queen only. Mm -hmm. So he was there kind of guarding that door. And what the women saw was that this door was... A normal door it was completely in good repair it could open and shut very easily they saw that and then when they went back they saw that the door had not been opened in a memory of any man there they believed that it had not been opened in like over a hundred years and in fact the door could not be opened Ooh, okay well complete disrepair in ruinous condition okay so the door that they saw this guy and in fact they were able to go back and determine who the man was and this is the one that i might (laughs) so they found they realized through portraits again that this man was oh god larange i'm probably saying that wrong anyway he was the porter in charge of the queen's private door oh They felt like that was the man that they had met. And there's a portrait of him as well. So they started to piece together more of Marie Antoinette's history. And they started to believe that the the day that they saw was a specific date in history. So October 5th, 1789. So the two ladies in, of course, researching more and more, they found a, a firsthand account of a girl who had been picking up leaves in the garden the day that Marie Antoinette was warned that the people of France were after her. Okay. This this young girl sort of ended up when she grew up, she wrote it down is what it sounds like. And so she witnessed this man running up with a letter and handing it to Marie Antoinette. And then sort of that she needed to race back to the main palace for her own safety And the two women believed that they saw the girl who was ended up, you know, telling the story later and also the man who ran up with the letter. So they had kind of witnessed that scene and they ended up finding like the names of these people in an almanac much later. And the, the man who spoke with the strange accents, he, they believe he was the same one from the girl's account that was Mm. like, get out, get out. So on their journey in the time slip, the two ladies came across a couple of guards and were kind of like tutted away and told to continue on and sort of pointed in the direction of the garden. And they sort of took account of what they were wearing and realized that they were all in green, which turns out it's a royal color of 
livery is that how you say it <laughs> anyway of uh, the uniforms in france used to be green but they're no longer green anymore mm. and so they took that as another sort of clue that they had fallen into this time slip so i guess they disagreed for many years about what happened to them on that day oh as i said uh charlotte moberly she believed that they went back into time and that somehow wandering through those woods, they sort of either, you know, switch times somehow. They're not mm-hmm. sure. But uh, Eleanor Jourdain, she believes that they had fallen into a memory of Marie Antoinette's, where it was the day mm. that, like, <laughs> the beginning of the end for poor Marie Antoinette, because she ended up, of course, being beheaded by the French people for her. I'm not even fully sure why uh, my understanding is the opulence of the crown versus right. the poverty of the people. I could be totally wrong. Um, mm. <laughs> it's all based on uh, Sophia Coppola's, you know, Marie Antoinette. Oh, have you seen that? No. Oh, it's super good. You should watch it. Oh, okay. Has Kirsten Dunst in it. Oh, I love Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Yeah. It's super cute. You'll see okay. Converse in it, but they didn't, like, they weren't at that time interesting sorry so okay okay so interesting like i was thinking like oh they just saw a ghost but with the plow and like the door opening that's interesting because that i don't yeah they okay they fully believe you know that they went well moberly fully believes that they went back into time and you know but there's of course lots of skeptics who you know they did, in fact, walk into a reenactment, and that's what they saw. They, oh. But they did go back. It doesn't really explain the bridge or the pavilion. You know, I do right. believe there's a lot of same space, different time. Like, that's what I kind of believe ghosts are. Interesting. Yeah, Often yeah, yeah. Okay. Is you're living in the same space, but sort of the times can, you know, maybe the veil can thin sometimes or something along those yeah. lines. You could say... So do I believe that's what probably happened to these ladies? Kind of. Yeah. You know, they were both academics. They were both well-respected in their fields. They were superintendents of a school. Like, it just seems to me that they're not women who are just out to, you know, get some fame or something. And they actually ended up publishing an account of what happened to them, but not under their names. Oh, interesting. Because they just didn't want to be found out and, you know, and their lives to be disrupted by people who naysayers, I guess. That's Um, interesting. Yeah. Because why would they make that up just to like not put their names on it? That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I was looking at all kinds of time travel stories. That's cool. I wouldn't even think about that. uh, Well, I had come across this and I was like, I need to figure out how to tell this story. And I was like, I'm just going to tell it. Yeah. I came across it like two years ago. Or oh, something. really? But yeah, it's been a while. And so I went back and I was kind of trying to find some other ones. There was an interesting one of a a pilot who had uh, been told to fly over this airport. And when he flew over it, he it was it was supposed to be abandoned and kind of in rough shape. And when he flew over it, it was in total use. People were using it and all the planes were yellow, which he thought was very strange because at the time, all the planes were silver. 
you know, mm. like all the fighter jets and things like that for the military were all silver. And turns out, I think like 15 years later, they started using the yellow. Oh, yeah. oh. so he thinks that he he jumped into the future for a short time. He came into this like huge cloud that was all yellow and weird. Mm. And when he flew out of it, he saw all this strange action and then flew back and was like, went back and was like, what the hell? There's where's all the yellow planes and people working here. This is all very interstellar type. Uh... So here's the question, Caitlin. Oh, do you think time travel is a thing, a possibility or in yes. fact, real perhaps? Man, that's a tough sell. Um, I say yes. I totally think yes. You think so? Yes. I think, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, yeah, I think there's at least a parallel type. Mm. Like something else going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think that time travel, that's crazy. I mean, that'd be cool. I wish, you know what, you know, I wish would exist would be um, teleportation. So I can oh. just teleport here. You know they can teleport cells. Can like they? right now, for real. What? Teleport. Like, in fact, they could teleport cells like 15 years ago. Interesting. I, there's this one book. What is his name? He's in all kinds of stuff. He's like a Japanese fellow with like this sort of white hair. Oh, what is his name? I can see it in my head. Miko. Girl. He wrote this book, The Physics of the Future, which uh -huh. I read a long time ago. And he talked about the teleportation of cells and how they can do it. And I mean, at this Whoa. point, they can't go very far. But I mean, again, that was like 15 years ago. Right. Ooh, I spooky. Mean, That's weird. Totally See, spooky. I totally believe in ghosts and all of that. I believe in aliens. Yes. The time travel. I'm a little like, I, but I do believe like a parallel universe type thing. Like, because time is always, okay, maybe, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Sure, Michelle. Sure. <laughs> Who could say? <laughs> Who could say? You know, I just believe in everything. You just never know. You just never know. There was some pretty compelling evidence to a to a time traveler uh, from the Nazis. What was that incident? It was like a a bell shaped. God, I'm talking out of my ass now. I feel like <laughs> <laughs> I need like more details. But essentially, after the war, like right after the war, when the Americans went in after the Nazis had been sort of surrendered at that point, and they were yeah. going in and taking all the scientists and doing all these things, they discovered this sort of contraption mm -hmm. that was on a pedestal and held down with cables. Mm -hmm. And then I, again, hopefully I'm not totally talking out of my ass and have this story all wrong, <laughs> but then that, that thing, it disappeared. So it was sort of hovering and then it was gone. And then it was discovered like 20 years later. Oh, I know. I remember hearing about this. You know which one I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. So and yeah, I probably I saw it on Ancient Aliens. But... Maybe I think you I, think... I probably <laughs> talked about it already. <laughs> yeah. It sounds so familiar. I do remember the story. Yeah, that's bizarre. Yeah, I was. And I think the scientists that were around also disappeared. And, mm. you know, so it's just sort of like, what the fuck? Is well, it was just interesting in your story that they went back several times and saw something different well yeah. like well i do think it sounded like they kind of wandered back more right. than once right which is weird maybe <laughs> yeah time is just thin in that area i guess i don't know yeah they think that i mean again 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, Leonardo da Vinci possibly did some time traveling. Because one, he disappeared for a long period of time. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know, five years or something. He No yeah. one knew who he was. He like went up to this cave and disappeared. And then came back and started drawing all kinds of crazy contraptions that ended up not being invented until much, much later. Like the helicopter is one example. Really? Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> who fucking knows? I mean... You know, who gets chosen, man? I want I want to partake, you know? I'm going to try You just it. haven't wandered into the right spot, it seems like. Damn. There was this property on our... Or, excuse me. There was a spot in our property in Oregon mm-hmm. that I felt like if I walked through a certain way, I could go somewhere else. Oh, shit. Like, Narnia? So, like, we had this really cool area that in the center of all these trees was this really cool walnut tree where Cassie and Paul got married. Yeah. And I felt like if you walked through that area, like, at a certain time or did a certain thing, you could end up somewhere else. And so, like... I went out there one night, like it was a full moon and the whole fucking thing. And I went out and I got too scared. Like I I was like, do I really want to end up somewhere else? No, I think so. How are you going to get back? That's the thing. How am I going to get back? You know, so I ended up like totally, you know, I'm sure nothing would have happened. And I'm sure I would have just like walked through and felt like an idiot and then gone back inside. But I got legitimately scared and decided to not do it okay (laughs) so i love that though oh lord huh good times (laughs) what a great story michelle perhaps maybe not for me (laughs) (laughs) she gets a little crazy thanks that was a good find way to make me think my gosh (laughs) i wasn't planning on doing that today michelle thanks a lot yeah Uh, wow very cool. Well, well, I had a hard time finding an alien one, and obviously uh, I love alien ones, so I'll find one again. You'll find, yeah. Don't I'm worry. Sure find one. Yeah. <laughs> I bet there's, you know, I've tried to find an alien one. They're hard to find. They are hard to find. Yeah. Well, anything with, like, some substance behind it. Yeah. You know, some evidence of some kind or whatever. Yeah. That's tough, so. Nice, yeah. Yeah, it is true. Yeah, it is really hard to find that because it's all like, oh, it could be photoshopped. Oh, it could be blah, 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 blah. So yeah, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. My understanding is the picture of Nessie in yeah. the Loch Ness Monster. That was a fake. Yeah, because it's zoomed in a lot. If well, you... no. And the guy, uh, I guess, admitted on his deathbed that he went out there with like a prop right oh yeah and so that was the picture but it's also it was also cropped though oh was it Mm -hmm. oh yeah it looks a lot bigger than it actually is it's a little small thing do i think there's a loch ness monster in obviously yeah 100 percent. yes i believe all kinds of shit do i believe in bigfoot yeah 100 Uh, yes do i believe in skinwalkers yeah 100 percent. all right well yeah we better cut this shit off before it rambles on for another hour about nothing to do with survivors (laughs) oh goodness all right well we hope you enjoy this episode and try this delicious drink and we'll catch you guys on the next one goodbye yeah (laughs) say goodbye oh goodbye